0: I, I think that's really contributing to some of the burnout that that marketers themselves are feeling, which is, you know, they get hired, are expected to do absolutely everything under the sun. it's It's not fair to expect one person to be able to be an expert at all of that or even to become an expert and do all of that. That doesn't allow you to be the best you in those roles. It's setting the company up for failure. It's setting the marketer up for failure. It's a recipe for disaster.
1: Welcome to Top of Mind a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. Careers and employment are an extremely weird and personal topic for many people. And it's one we've also covered on the show before, but it's an important topic to discuss because the job market is going to continue to evolve. And unfortunately, choosing to ignore these changes isn't going to protect your salary. This reality became even more real to me over this holiday break when I had a heartwarming but slightly concerning moment with my grandfather over video where he said, I have no idea what it is you do for a living, but keep up the great work. And to be fair, the tasks that I do on a day to day as head of audience growth probably didn't even exist five years ago. So, given the new opportunities that remote work and on demand workforces present us, it's important that we have a say in how we want our careers to go and how we get compensated fairly. For today's show, I'm speaking with a marketer who has an extremely unique point of view on the marketing and creative employment landscape. As Director of Marketing at Marketer Hire, she connects vetted freelancers with clients hungry for top talent. So who better to help us explore what the employment landscape looks like for marketers than someone who gets to peer over both sides of the fence? Join me today. I've got Tracy Wallace. Thanks so much for coming on, Tracy.
0: I'm excited to to dive into this.
1: <laughs> Hopefully at the end of this conversation, I'll be able to send it to my grandpa and say, here's what I do.
0: <laughs> my my family also does not know what I do on either side. My mom's side, my dad's side. Anytime I'm with relatives, they're like, Tracy, do you still like sell things on the internet? And I'm like, <laughs> I guess. Yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it at the end of the day. I just sell yeah. things through the internet. Fair I up. didn't know you could do that. So we're going to cover a lot about kind of the landscape of of marketing jobs and roles and internal workings of, of of growth companies and things like that. But before we do that, I kind of want to get a little bit, help the listeners understand a bit about your background and how you ended up where you are now. So you've got a great interview podcast that you did with a buddy, Jimmy Daly, on his show called Career HQ where he went super in depth with you. He, he covered like every role. I think you've, I think he even talked about your college experience and stuff. Yeah. So he went way back. <laughs> so I'm not going to try and compete with that. I suggest you go listen to that if you want to hear more about Tracy's past. But I do want to hear about the part in your career where you moved from being a content creator to more of the editor side of things. Was that a, pers- a purposeful transition?
0: purposeful I, I I don't know if it was purposeful really at the time it happened as a result of needing to scale content. so for a little bit of background for everybody, I was over at big commerce for about four and a half years and was running their content marketing operations for about three of those years by myself just me and it became really successful and we you know I got approval to hire folks and if that started with somebody, you know, on, on the SEO side. And so, you know, that that went really, really well. And the next was, okay, cool. Well, how do we make this even more? How do we make this bigger? How do we get more content out? I was also beginning, you know, to pitch clients or to pitch the commerce partners on different, you know, content ideas, content opportunities, whatever it might be, ultimately trying to win dollars to do these like really cool content campaigns. But in order to actually be able to do all that stuff, you as, as a writer, as a content creator kind of have to step out outside of that creation moment, because you need people while you're pitching that stuff, while you're building those decks, while you're thinking about strategy to be actually creating the thing. So, so that, that was really when I started doing a lot more editing was when I got my first two content hires in particular. Yeah. And just kind of went that way. Actually though, way further before all of that, when I was working over at Mashable, I, there's this a woman there, Lauren Envick, if anybody's familiar, she, you know, was at Mashable for a while, then was the editor-in-chief over at Fashionista and then worked at Vogue and now she's at the Financial Times. I was obsessed with her, followed her work everywhere. And when I was working at Mashable, like begged her to go get coffee with me. And it was the most embarrassing coffee date ever. I spilled coffee <laughs> all over myself. I don't think she got like anything positive from it, but I did because she <laughs> she was really dead set on defining herself as a writer, as a reporter at that point in time. And I thought she was far beyond that in in her career. I had seen some of her edits. I knew she was a great editor. And during that coffee date, she, she had said, look, like, if you want to be a great editor, first you have to learn how to be a really great writer, how to take feedback and how to write to an editor's feedback. And it's something that I've never forgotten, both in like, you know, being a writer or myself and making sure that I'm really defining myself that way. And the same thing with, with being an editor and, and training other writers is that that's that's a really important distinction and something really important for for writers to
1: learn. And from and I'm pretty new to the industry, so it's it's interesting to see it at this point where I think it's come to a little bit more maturity, where you actually have those layers to it, where it's a company, like a private tech company is almost taking on the shape of an editorial magazine where they've got <laughs> yeah. creators and writers, and then you've got the person who's kind of in charge of making sure that the narrative makes sense. Blog post to blog post, the same way an editor in chief would make sure that the magazine has the same tone episode to episode.
0: Right. Yeah. So a few years ago, that 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 did not exist. Right. I was editor in chief over at Big Commerce. Uh, Shopify had hired an, an editor editor in chief around that same time as well. But I mean, for a long time at Big Commerce, it was just me. I was writer, editor, judge, jury, executioner. <laughs> like, I did I did it all. So so yeah. I mean, brands are are really getting savvy to to the fact that content marketing can work. That Writing and being a, a thought leader and consistency is really, really important. And in order to do that well and not burn people out, that's also very important. You you need to separate things out. I mean, I'm I'm sure if I went and looked back at some of my earlier stuff at Big Commerce, there's probably like grammatical errors everywhere because nobody was checking me. <laughs> I was checking myself, and that is not the ideal workflow at all. I mean, even over at Marketer Hire, we have a very small team, but we there is a differentiation between who writes. Things and who edits things. And I think that's really important.
1: So, back in 2014, that would have been when a lot of direct to consumer brands were kind of like, they've been around for a while, but that was when they were really kind of coming into stride, becoming mainstream, raising huge amounts of money, but also selling a crap ton. Was there anything you noticed while working at Big Commerce that really stands out as like a key learning that you saw in these direct to consumer e commerce brands that were using that platform?
0: Oh, a direct learning in regards to the direct-to-consumer brands. I mean, one thing was, you know, they were growing really quickly with really, really small teams, and they were trying to do everything they could to differentiate a lot of the people who were launching these things didn't have a lot of e-commerce experience by by any means they were just trying to fill an, a niche a lot of them were doing it because they were passionate and that was really great for me over at big commerce because i essentially branded myself as their you know like researcher on hire right like respond to my newsletter tell me what you want me to go investigate and i'm going to go investigate it So things like, you know, personalization, I feel like people have been talking about the rise of personalization in D2C for years. The problem with personalization, however, is that it's hard to do. And especially if you're a really small team, especially if you're trying to, I don't know, just like get some ads up and make sure that like those are working well or like figure out your product market fit. And so there were a lot of editorial decisions, at least over on the big commerce side, where it was like, okay, you know, we're not going to publish content on some of these things that have a lot of, you know, search volume because it's not actually helping the actual reader, right? Like maybe media thinks this is really really important or maybe like investors think it's really important, somebody's searching for it on the internet, but none of the direct to consumer brands we are talking to are actually putting that that into play. So that was that that was a big learning there was, you know, a lot of these trends you see on the internet are cool trends, sure, and would be amazing if, you know, people could find the time and bandwidth to go do them. But that's just not always the case for, for a lot of people. And you can still build a really successful business just following the like tried and true methods. The other thing that was really interesting though, and this might've been you know more particular to BigCommerce is that uh, BigCommerce does have a lot of direct-to-consumer brands that use the platform, but it also has a lot of B2B brands or like brands with, that like sell an insane amount of SKUs. Like you guys would not believe how much money like selling refrigerator parts, parts make. Like- oh, wow it's fascinating yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like some of the most successful on the platform and that's a version of direct to consumer but those people aren't looking for press those people aren't looking aren't doing it for brand awareness for them it truly was you know paid search was really important but so too was seo making sure that when someone types in a really long tail keyword that you're showing up for it and bigcommerce really built the platform in particular with a focus on seo to to help those folks
1: I can imagine those manufacturers with replacement parts that have you can tell you can tell it's a long tail SEO word when there's like three hyphens in the abbreviation <laughs> for that product if you need to find it.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and then man, imagine the conversations you know we're having where we're writing content and essentially telling these business owners that are, you know, making a ton of money selling how well, like, you know, thousands and thousands of SKUs that like you need to customize your product description and not just use the one the manufacturer gives you. Who, buddy, that does not go over well <laughs> by yeah. any means. because it's a lot of money to do that, but who, the ones who did it, I mean, th- the results were were absolutely incredible. So I mean, don't just think, I guess the takeaway is don't just think, you know, there there are these amazing B2C brands out there, they get a lot of press, they're media darlings. That is not the only way to run. A business to start a business. There are a lot of brands making a lot of money who do not follow that route. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I'm glad you bring that up because I think that's pretty important, especially now, kind of with 2021 bringing uncertainty, especially with all the the repercussions of of the lockdowns and everything like that. Is we're going to really see who has legs and who is just running on VC money at this point. And and well, to your right. point, there's probably a lot of companies who have never been featured in any type of publication but are just consistently being able to make money with right, with or well, without know, it's, funds.
0: yeah it's it, it's so interesting because you know I, I I take a lot of coffee dates I talked about the one with Lauren that was a terrible disaster but I, I learned something really important and then in covid you know I'm doing a lot of them over over video calls but one thing that that I've heard a lot and I heard this you know back at the commerce but continue to hear it now and I'm not even necessarily looking for this feedback which is Typically, when a media organization and a company like the Commerce Shopify, like whatever it is, publishes a list of like top trends that are like, you know, unknown ways to like grow or like whatever it is, by and large, by the time you're hearing about it, it will not work for you anymore. Like the that whole like early adopter moment is gone. The people who are... Like or I guess there are people out there who are growing leaps and bounds, not doing media, not maybe not doing, you know, paid social, paid search, whatever it is, but you can bet they aren't telling anyone how they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it is a it is a well kept secret because the moment it gets out to so many folks is the moment the cost for it rises, the moment it stops being as effective. So, so really, I mean. And this is true in business, I mean, especially in marketing, you know, you have to test it all. You have to test it. People say, oh, don't just like throw things at the wall. No, like throw things at the wall, see what sticks and, and run fast towards those things that are sticking. And they don't have to be the things that all the investors are saying you need to do. They don't have to be the things that, you know, the media is saying are the top trends. They only have to be the things that are actually working for your organization.
1: Yeah, big time, big time. Switching uh, gears a little bit, talking about kind of the marketing roles today and how there seems to be, and depending on what angle people kind of are looking at it, there's a bunch of ways you can slice and dice marketing as a profession or as a career choice or whatever you want to call it. So to me, earlier this year, I had the realization, I was like, oh my God, I think being on the organic side of marketing versus the paid side of marketing are two completely different career paths. Yes. And they both come to a level of maturity where you can choose one and it doesn't hinder you at all because it's so necessary. Same as you go the other direction. Like it's it's a standalone. It's no longer enough to be like, a, you can't be a digital marketer. Like what the hell does that mean? You need to be a. You have to specify what you are. But you have also an interesting point of view on this of how it's, it's, it's uh, going in a couple different directions based on your kind of perspective now at marketer hire, where you get to see companies who need talent. And then you've got the talent there as well, who wants to do the work. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're seeing there?
0: Yeah, I mean, let let me start if you don't mind with with a little bit of background because I am uh, fairly new to marketer hire. I joined in September, and before that, you know, was director of marketing over at a direct to consumer brand, and then before that, you know, editor in chief over over at Big Commerce. So I've worked in, you know, B two B tech SaaS and the D two C space, and then also in journalism way before all that. And and something that you know really drew me to marketer hire to to the opportunity at marketer hire was this just like. Realization, both personally felt, but also seen in so many of my colleagues and the people that I manage that like marketers are just burnout. Like it, it, it is, it is a challenging time to be in marketing. And I, it seems, I think that the reason for that is that a lot of the brands looking for marketers, hiring marketers, often aren't sure what they want, exactly what different types of marketers do. And instead, they ask marketers to do everything. I mean, it is not uncommon for me to like interview a marketer and then be like, oh, well at that role, I launched some paid social ads and also managed the landing pages and then wrote the emails and then managed the life cycles as they, as they moved down. And then also I did some like organic on Twitter. And sometimes I wrote blog posts and and I'm just like, it's too much, it's too much stuff. Like, like that's not, that doesn't allow you to be the best like you in those roles it's setting the company up for failure it's setting the marketer up for failure and as a result I have watched over the past two years in particular a bunch of my colleagues friends move into remote work fr- freelance work and so I, I found when when I started talking to marketer hire I was super interested in this idea where they're like look like we want to drive clients to free to freelancers to marketing freelancers but beyond that we really want to educate clients on on you know when they come to us and they're like okay I want a growth marketer who can do it all and we want to be like that ah, doesn't exist like you got to be a little bit more specific about what you want especially if you want to hit your goals especially if you want to hit those KPIs especially if you don't want to waste money or ruin a relationship with a really good marketer so you're beginning to see that shift, I think happening, you know, remote work was already on the rise prior to COVID gig work was already on the rise prior to COVID. I mean, clearly there's places like Fiverr and Upwork. There's even, you know, places like market or hire, which is, you know, more of a premium freelancer network, not necessarily in the marketing space, but you know, there's top tall for engineering, there's Paro for finance folks, there's Turing also for engineering developers, I think. So, I mean, there it's this like, you know, breaking down of Cra- of Craigslist, this breaking down of LinkedIn. I guess you know, Airbnb was really the the breaking down of Craigslist, and there were a variety of companies started from that. And now you're seeing this happen on on the LinkedIn side as well. So, I, I think. And really what I'm seeing and watching a bunch of our clients and a bunch of the research that's coming out, HBR actually published, it's Harvard Business Review, published a really great piece end of last year, where they interviewed about 2000 leaders, business leaders, asking them, you know, how how is it that, like, are you planning to use freelancers? Are you planning to use the gig economy? And every single one of them was like, yes, and more. And what it seems to be, and and this is even the strategy I'm using as as I'm building out my team over here uh, at Marketer Hire, is folks are really beginning to look at, okay, what are those core roles that we need to have internally? And then beyond that, beyond for those core roles, things that are just like so core and customized to our brand that we couldn't turn into a project, right? Those people that we bring on for that, can those people also Manage other people. Are they organized? Can, can they essentially do they have some kind of project management, either desire or experience within them? Because that ultimately is what makes somebody good to bring internally. And then as you look out at, you know, all of the different freelancers out there, all the different agencies out there, what a lot of these organizations are doing is breaking out, you know, running Instagram or an influencer program or whatever it might be into very specific projects with very specific KPIs. And then going out there and trying to find the absolute best operator is, is I, I don't just call them that. Those are the people who, you know, do the execution, who get it across the line. How can you go out and find the best person for that, put them on that job and just like have them own that, have them take the learnings that they have from every other organization they've done that with and apply that to your brand, all of the relationships that they've built. I mean, what is that famous quote, was it? Picasso. I, I don't know what it is where somebody like walks up and like they draw like a picture on a piece of paper and they're, they're like, now it's $5,000. And I'm like, oh, well, you did it in five minutes. And it's like, well, it took me 20 years yeah. to learn how to draw something that great in five minutes. Right. Yeah. Like that's what these expert freelancers are. They have so much bucketed knowledge. And it's not that the Orchestrators, which is kind of what I, what the term I'm putting around people who are working internally and managing and overseeing these folks. It's not that they don't have that ability, but there's, there's a difference. There's a real difference in leadership and strategy and direction and executing on the thing, right? And some people can certainly do both of those things, but we're living in an, in an era where mental health is mattering more and more. People are trying to be as cognizant as possible about the workloads on people. And we've all come to realize that like working more than 40 hours a week, probably not the best for your health. Also probably not the best for your productivity. And so breaking it out in this way and really getting smart about you know who are the orchestrators that you bring in-house who can then hire operators to execute on strategy, to you know, get things across the finish line is is how I'm really seeing the the marketing world shift and and the hiring world shift. And it's not just in marketing; it's happening with engineering. You know, it's happening with finance. It's 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 happening across the board.
1: Yeah, I was I was going to say I, I until you mentioned those examples of other industries doing it, I thought this was a marketing specific one because it's weird. Yeah. I, I I hadn't heard of yeah, like you said, engineering being able to get hired just for a project. I guess I've heard of salespeople getting hired on a project base, but it was more about Getting that account on board, it was like, right. oh, you have ties to that company, you can go right. make, close the deal with them, kind of thing.
0: Well, I mean, think, I mean, I I haven't heard of you know a premium marketplace for sales yet. So anybody listening, <laughs> potentially <There you> go. <laughs> good one to go start. But think about you know outbound sales folks or not outbound sales folks, but you know like territorial sales folks who yeah. often you know like my my family has a family business, it's a cotton manufacturing <laughs> company, and and we have salespeople who like live in certain territories they don't work internally at our organization I mean I could I, I could tell you all the names of all the people who do work for that company and I don't know the names of those people I, I was shocked to even found, found out we used them my brother mentioned it the other day and I was like oh okay yeah I mean that makes sense like of course why, why wouldn't we but but people are already doing this. It's, it's the same thing with agencies, right? I mean, people go to design agencies, development agencies, marketing agencies because they need help with specific projects, right? Folks are just, you know, now looking at, okay, there's the agency model and there's, you know, go find a freelancer model. And, you know, a freelancer might not be, you know, the right model for everybody every single time. Same thing on, on the agency side. There's a lot of considerations there, but agency is no longer your your only option.
1: Mm-hmm. and then even one more level of marketing inception is you've got agencies that are actually outsourcing that work where the agency itself yes. <laughs> is just an or- orchestrator who's hiring operators around the world to do the work yes. which I've heard mixed reviews if the person if they don't do a great job it's it's a it's a good way of kind of offloading that risk of I need this very defined thing to be done as well as possible give me a price and if you can do it Great. But if you can't, I'm just going to find another person.
0: Right, right. Well, and I mean, and that, that gets to, you know, the core of why any of us like ever go to somebody other than ourselves to get things done, right? right? One is level of expertise, knowing how to do it, not knowing how to do it. But the other is time, right? Like where is the best use? Every single one of us have, has a limited resource and the number of minutes and hours in the day. And we have to split it between work stuff and personal stuff and friend stuff and whatever else it might be, family stuff, of course. So. So, yeah, I mean, figuring out, you know, what what are those things that I could I could ultimately pay someone to do and do really well and get it across the finish line and hit this goal that I have told my boss that I will hit on this certain date. I mean, every single one of us are, are, are held to that. Right. Especially the people working full time internally agencies, especially also they have results. They, they have to get to their clients. So, I mean, 100 percent like what we're talking about here is, you know, being able to be a successful professional and a big part of that is time management, right? I mean, that that's what hiring these agencies is. That's what those agencies are doing when they hire when they outsource to freelancers, h- however it might be. It's it's all about, you know, as you grow in your career, as you scale, getting to know your own skill set better, getting to know your skill set really well and then figuring out, yeah, like what given the amount of time that I have to accomplish this goal, how can I best get it done ideally within a certain budget. But hey,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing at a time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, one thing at a time. I don't know. I don't know y'all's budget.
1: <laughs> so it's it's probably pretty interesting for you uh, getting to hear from both sides of the marketplace because that's what marketer hire does is you kind of vet yeah. the 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 freelancers and then you find clients that are looking for quality people. What are you hearing from the side of the operators? So the freelancers, the people who are actually yep. just hitting the keyboards and making stuff happen. What yeah. does what does their ideal job or career or like I'm I'm starting to use the term income generating activities as a <laughs> yeah. way of describing it because that's really all it's coming down to is like if you can find h- ways to generate income and yep. spend less time.
0: Yep. Why wouldn't you we'll look so there are a lot of amazing marketers out there who have had really terrible experiences working full-time for organizations. And then also, you know, you have 2020 in general, in which there were quite a few layoffs and, you know, people really needing to figure out their next step. So on, on the freelancer side, I mean, that's that a a lot of that is, is what we see. I mean, certainly we have people, you know, who are really great at being out there and promoting themselves and driving traffic to their website, but not all great marketers do that. And in fact, a very small percent of really great marketers do that. Some marketers, and this is something, you know, I, I hear a lot, I guess, not on the freelance side, but a question we get often is, you know, if, if these marketers are really so good, when it can it, they just drive their own client pipeline? It's like, not everybody wants to do that. Like, not everyone wants to be, like, known on the internet for marketing. <laughs> like, right. that doesn't make them bad marketers by any means. So, on the marketing side, you know, striving. driving client clients and and leads to marketers from their point of view is incredibly helpful, especially for folks who are starting, you know, freelancing full time. We we really helped a bunch of folks in 2020 get started and actually generate real income, often more income than they were making at their full time in in in-house jobs. And then of course, you know, people can do this part-time as well. So it's some additional like side income in the case they want it. But but yeah, on their end it it gives them that that freedom and, and flexibility, right? Which is Hey, this is a viable option, even if I'm not out there writing a blog post every single day or getting on a bunch of podcasts. I mean, all, all of that, which is all of that is good and great and sure and important to do if that's the route you want to go. But it doesn't have to be the route that you go. I know plenty of amazing marketers who nobody on the internet knows, but instead they get their referrals through, you know, people who have worked with them before or like through like whatever else rather than through, you know, being really great on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so those, those are typically the folks we have over there, again, trying to help people really focus on actually getting great work done rather than having to worry about, okay, well, how do I pay the bills next month? Because that is stressful. It gives, it makes my stomach hurt. I can only imagine if I, if, if that were were me in real life, it's, it's far too stressful.
1: Yeah. That's no fun. And then from the the side of the Orchestrator or the person doing the hiring of those, Uh of those operators. I imagine a lot of the same benefits. It's flexible. That could be project based, like very set budgets, very set outcomes. Are there any other, any other kind of benefits that they're seeing?
0: Yeah. So some, some big benefits at, at least, you know, when it comes to the market or hire platform is there are no cancellation fees. So in, it's, you know, you give us a heads up about five days in advance, we're going to like, we'll, we'll tell the freelancer, we'll figure out a way to, to get things canceled. So in that way, it gives people businesses, a lot of flexibility. And this is especially true for startups who have to be really mindful of their budget, right? Marketing is really important. It's really important to do the foundations of it right, which is why we see a lot of startups coming to us. But in the case that there's a pandemic that hits in March and everything shuts down, you want to be able to cancel a contract so that you can keep your business afloat. That's really important. So that's something that that, that we offer, which is a little you know different from, from the agency side. And then, of course, it's just the ability to scale up, scale down as you need, being more flexible, as you said, teaching organizations ultimately to be more resilient, and then finally, of course, we're actually helping these people figure out what it is they need. We have, you know, major companies come to us, you know, from the startups all the way to the big guys coming to us saying, okay, cool, like I need someone to run my email marketing, but I also want that email marketer to like be good at posting on social. And we're like, okay, probably not going to get those two things. We'll go check our database and see if there's anybody that fits that. But let's talk about what your goals are and we can help you prioritize because what it sounds like you're wanting is both an email marketer and a paid social media marketer. Here's what that will cost together. But separately, if you just want to hire one of those, here's what each of those individual roles does. So maybe now the brand is also excited because an email marketer can also do SMS marketing and they weren't thinking about that. But like that maybe seems more of a priority. Priority than whatever it was that they were going to do on social, whatever it might be, we're, we're educating folks, even mm-hmm. including marketers, right? Like, name me a marketer who can like succinctly explain what a growth marketer is.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> I, I saw someone write that on Twitter. Like, what the hell is a growth marketer? And everyone had a different answer. It's like, uh, can you someone make the numbers different... go up and to the right? Do that.
0: <laughs> right. But isn't that like all of marketing's job? Isn't that every hire's job? To, should to be right? right it should be right so yeah man we we just don't have any real definitions yeah. in marketing anymore and so we're we're working on that internally we have a whole role matrix with all of the roles explained with different names for the types of roles the tools they use the projects they can take on uh, don't worry we will be publishing more of this soon but right now it's ultimately how we help brands figure out you know which marketing which type of marketer they need what goals are real priorities and then what they what they can expect from the people that they hire and in what amount of in what time frame, right? An email marketer might be able to get a bunch of stuff set up in a month. You hire an SEO marketer. You're going to want them on at least for three months, if not six months, to really be able to see the value of that. And so it's mm-hmm. explaining that to people, setting expectations so that, you know, they're not going to the marketer and then the marketer having a terrible experience, having to do everything or something being canceled because something didn't happen in a certain time frame. I mean, I, I came into marketing, you know, from the journalism side, but I came into marketing leadership from content marketing and SEO And the amount of times I've had to explain to people that like SEO does not happen overnight. It does not happen typically within a month, especially if you're starting from scratch. Setting those expectations is is really important. And so we, we try to do that with our clients before they even talk to a marketer. So that the marketer again, can focus on doing the really great work rather than having to focus on like, I don't know, explaining like why this individual role is important to a
1: client. I would love to see that matrix of all the positions and all the key metrics and the tools and stuff because, Uh, and and
0: we argue over it all the time too. (laughs) And it's going to evolve
1: daily pretty well as new stuff rolls out. But even from the the operator side to understand the what they need you to do, like you can like from a positioning of yourself and your services or aligning what you are good at with what the market actually needs from you, that's right. massively beneficial. And, and, oh, I, and mean, I think a lot of people are just making it up as they go. They're like, well, I did this, I got this job and then I freelance this job. And I think I like going in this area, but imagine if it was laid out that way where it's like, here are what people are hiring for right now and what outcomes. And, and as you get more data, you can start seeing industry averages. So you can see how you right. compete against other people in that role. Like that's right how else are you supposed to get better at what you do if you don't know how other people are doing
0: right well i mean we we get like pings on all these different slack channels ran all the time where like marketers at very big (laughs) well-known brands are telling us like oh yeah like you know maybe they found a copy edit or something to make on like our email marketer page or a growth marketer page or whatever it is and we're like oh well how like it's pretty deep in the page a lot of content on that page, like, what, what were you doing there? It's like, were you coming to hire? Like what's going on? And they're like, oh, I was coming to see if like my skills actually fit with like the role that I have, or I'm thinking about applying to this other role. So I came to the page to see like, what, you know, part of like, do I have all the skills that an email marketer should have? And we're like, okay, cool. So we're even educating marketers on Mm -hmm. what it is that they do. So, I mean, yeah, we just, we need better definitions. It's confusing right now. And I, it's confusing for the hirers, especially if they're not in the marketing industry. I mean, if it's confusing for marketers, imagine if you're not a marketer. Yeah. And then of course, I, I think that's really contributing to some of the burnout that that marketers themselves are feeling, which is, you know, they get hired, are expected to do absolutely everything under the sun. And that that's just not fair to, to marketers. Marketing has gotten a lot more difficult. The channels have expanded, you know, 10X in the last five years, not even to mention the last 10 years. It's it's not fair to expect one person to be able to be an expert at all of that, or even to become an expert and do all of that. So recipe for a disaster and we're we we think better definitions is is one way that that you can really help to curve that education is the other part of it we could come out with definitions but if we don't educate people it's all worth nothing yeah
1: I, I liked how you explained it earlier saying that if a company's looking to create like bring on freelancers and bring on kind of on-demand employees that really they the question they should be asking themselves is like are we good enough at project management are we? are we clear on what we need being question one question two being like, do we have the capacity internally to handle the communication and, and and back and forth with these freelancers? And then three is like, do we have projects and a roadmap and the project management skills to make that happen?
0: Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, on, on that, you know, we, we just wrote a post on, you know, how to think through hiring full time versus agency versus freelancer. But one of the things that a full time hire is really good for is if you kind of, aren't sure what you need but you know that you need marketing help and like a specific niche or even just marketing help in general bringing on a full-time marketer who can over time maybe you know first they focus on email marketing and maybe later they focus on sms or or social or whatever it might be or hire people other other operators to take those roles on i think that's a really great time to bring on someone full-time when it's like okay we're actually shifting We aren't exactly sure what this is going to be versus with, with freelancers, what they ultimately allow you to do is you can say, okay, Hey, look, we know that email marketing or say email deliverability is a big project for us right now. And we need someone to come on and tackle it. But after they tackle it, after like three months... We're not sure if we'll need that person anymore. Dear God, don't hire someone full time for that. Like what, what a failure on everybody's part, right? Like now the person you brought on who like isn't even in this, like, you know, the role that you originally told them they were going to have. I mean, it's just, it's just Mm -hmm. terrible for everybody versus freelancers are amazing for that, right? You can go find someone, bring them on, cancel the contract when it's done and like help figure out, you know who is it that we really need to, to bring onto the team? Like, where, where do we really need help? Again, like I said before, throw everything at the wall. You can do that with freelancers and then maybe hire people in full time to take over those projects for the ones that are working really well. We see with... A lot of the startups that are are using marketer hire, most of them have maybe one marketing manager who then is going out and hiring, you know, an email person to get email set up, a social media person to get social set up, somebody for influencer, somebody for SMS, whatever it might be. And then as those channels grow and expand, a lot of those organizations then will start pulling somebody in more full time to focus on that. Sometimes, sometimes even pulling in the marketer hire freelancer full time, which
1: is also an option. As the orchestrator. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. what what questions should a a marketer be asking themselves if they would like to go the opposite direction and go from full-time to a operator freelancer um paid position what what kind of questions should they be asking themselves about their work or their their career their lifestyle or anything like that
0: i mean i mean honestly with with all the different marketplaces out there and again you know marketer hires is, is the premium version of it, but you know, there's Upwork, Fiverr, all of, those ja- or all of those things. I mean, start taking on side projects now. I think that is the absolute best way to begin understanding if this is something that works for you. Project management is really important. You're not going to have a boss telling you what the priorities are. So you're going to need to figure that out for yourself. Sometimes that's a blessing. Sometimes that's a curse. So the best way to learn if that is something that you know how to do, you're comfortable doing, or even to get better at doing is to, Start taking on some, some part-time projects or not even part-time, I guess it'd be less than part-time on the side as, as you build that skill up. And then, yeah, I mean, essentially over time, you'll likely find that like your income from freelance, I'm doing like a, a thing over here, that, like <laughs> your income from freelance just like starts outpacing your full time. And that's likely a very good time to go ahead and... And, and make the switch. And then of course, you know, for, for people who, you know, are in full-time roles right now and like those full-time roles and that's great. There's, you know, there's a ton of security and ton of amazing benefits to being with in, in a full-time with an organization, I would very much encourage those folks to really start thinking about leadership skills, to start thinking about, you know, how to project manage other people, how to explain things to other people. Managing up is really important. Building out strategy and decks is really important. Communicating ideas, especially in the remote world. Oh, I mean, I used to be able to communicate some technical ideas, writing something on a board. You know how, yeah. how hard that is over the, like, it is it is a whole thing that you have to learn. And if you can get really good at that and, you know, figure out ways to bring on people or figure out ways to project, a tie certain things and bring on people to get things over the line, you're going to be moving up in those organizations much faster. You're also going to really be helping those organizations that you're at be more resilient, resilient figure out ultimately how to leverage this you know gig worker economy in a way that you know gets them the goals that they need the work that they need done while keeping their headcount lower and their employees ultimately happier because their bandwidth isn't you know stretched to the ends
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's the kind of a healthy a healthy mix if you can grow (laughs) without everyone feeling the weight of that that's win-win for everyone Right. <laughs> yeah. I love how much uh, education that you and the team at Marketer Hire are putting out and uh, you've got a you've got a webinar series that's going to be launching in the next few months yes. that's going to really kind of cover these the nuances cuz this is going to be evolving forever here from from now yeah. on. Out. It's not well, like it's set in stone. It's going to be ongoing. You're going to be talking about how they think about hiring and growing teams and and choosing those those different roles to fill. Right. Well,
0: so when I first, you know, Became a like head of marketing. I was hiring my own team. I was tasked with hiring my my own team. I went like, you know, probably a lot of millennials to the internet. I was like, cool, what do marketing org charts look like? Like, how do people hire? Surprise, very little out there on that. I think Buffer (laughs) has some stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, like, this is mostly Buffer trying to get me to use their product. Anyway, not a lot of very good information out there. So a lot of people are, you know, asking stuff in forums. Very few people are willing to share. So this webinar series that that we're going to launch is essentially getting marketing leaders on a live (laughs) webinar and asking, How'd you grow your team? Why did you decide to hire the way that you did? Why do you have these people in-house? Why do you have these people as freelancers? Why this for an agency? And really just trying to understand the thought process. There's no right or wrong answer here, right? It's, it's what's right or wrong for an individual business and organization. What we think, our hypothesis, is that we're going to be begin to see trends by industry, by company stage or size, that we can then synthesize and begin to educate folks on, hopefully this is my like pipe dream is that hopefully eventually we can like publish a bunch of different types of marketing org charts for leaders so that they can understand, you know, how, how to hire teams for, I don't know, for your industry, for your stage of growth, for the type of budget you might have. Again, it's going to differ by everybody. We want to make these live webinars so that folks can ask questions live. But again, no right or wrong answers here. We're mostly looking, like, we're doing this to, like, find answers for ourselves. Like, how do people do this? I mean, historically, yes, but, like, especially now in a remote environment, especially now with teams being, you know, distributed, especially now is maybe some people are going to go back into the office? Like, what does that look like? Like, how do you plan, especially in a world where, you know, budgets for a lot of people have been slashed. People are a lot more conservative than they were prior to the pandemic, really thinking a lot more about risk. So how, how is that affecting marketing hiring? And ultimately then, you know, how it affects marketing hiring is how it affects marketers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very well put. Oh, that's awesome. I look forward to those. Thank you so much for taking the time, Tracy. That was that was very helpful to understand the whole the whole ecosystem. Any,
0: anytime. I'm happy to do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Be sure to, uh, to look up Tracy online, LinkedIn or Twitter. She puts out all this good stuff there. You can find it or at marketerhire.com.
0: Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it.
1: If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stewarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real-life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.